Welcome to Zazlo Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No. Before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0, my guys Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, they believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, accident attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna Jar and Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Hey, if you've been searching for a refreshing beer that feels like you're back in the Caribbean, well, search no more. Proud sponsor of Zaslow Show 2.0, Johnny Cuba. It's a lifestyle. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. That's right. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, Sedano's, Presidente, Win dixie Got great six-pack deals going on right now. You got... Hot sauce, that's right, made from selected Caribbean habanero peppers. You know your boy Zaslo loves the hot sauce. Go pick up some Caribbean soul in a can. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo. If you're a homeowner, you need to make sure you have the proper coverage. And that's why I'm sending you to Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance and Financial Services because we know that if there's, God forbid, an issue with our home, we need to know that we're covered properly. From Pensacola to the Keys and beyond, Brunt Insurance and Financial Services delivers comprehensive insurance and financial solutions tailored to your needs. Since 2013, Brunt Insurance specializes in home and auto insurance. Bruntinsurance.com. You could also check them out on social media at Brunt Insurance. Look, the market's confusing. Let Brunt Insurance sort it all out for you with their fully licensed staff, and they know the area. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance to make sure that they're covered, and that's why I'm sending you to them as well. Bruntinsurance.com. 954-589-2204. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslo Show 2.0. Welcome to Zaslo Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike, Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. 
888-789-3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No, before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0. My guys, Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar. They believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, Accident Attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy, and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna John Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Hey, if you've been searching for a refreshing beer that feels like you're back in the Caribbean, well, search no more. Proud sponsor of Zaslow Show 2.0, Johnny Cuba. It's a lifestyle. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. That's right. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, Sedanos, Presidente, Win dixie Got great six-pack deals going on right now. You got hot sauce, that's right, made from selected Caribbean habanero peppers. You know your boy Zaslow loves the hot sauce. Go pick up some Caribbean soul in a can. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo. If you're a homeowner, you need to make sure you have the proper coverage. And that's why I'm sending you to Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance and Financial Services because we know that if there's, God forbid, an issue with our home, we need to know that we're covered properly. From Pensacola to the Keys and beyond, Brunt Insurance and Financial Services delivers comprehensive insurance and financial solutions tailored to your needs. Since 2013, Brunt Insurance specializes in home and auto insurance. Bruntinsurance.com. You could also check them out on social media at Brunt Insurance. Look, the market's confusing. Let Brunt Insurance sort it all out for you with their fully licensed staff, and they know the area. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance to make sure that they're covered, and that's why I'm sending you to them as well. Bruntinsurance.com. 954-589-2204. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslow Show 2.0. All right, welcome to Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Thursday, the 17th of November. Good to have you aboard. You know what that means. Bad news for all the other podcasts out there. Got a great show Plan for everybody today. We're coming off of a night where your favorite little basketball team, they lost for the eighth time this year. The Heat dropped a 7-8. and eight. No Bam at a bio last night. No Tyler Hero, who may rejoin them at some point during the trip. So, very shorthanded. Uh, against a shorthanded Raptor team, we'll, we'll obviously start the show off with the Heat from last night. We got Thursday night football tonight. This is the time of year. I love this. I love this. Where you wake up Thursday morning, it's, Oh, yeah, we have football tonight. 
great time. I mean, every night we got something going on, you know? So tonight, you got a little bit of Thursday night football. Dolphins are off this week. Very, very sad. But we get to relax, just watch all the games, and then get back to taking that ass next week against the Houston Texans. So we got the football tonight. You got the Panthers back in action tonight. They're coming off a win. They're 2-1 so far on this homestand. Our pal, my former co-host, one of the great guys in the entire world, Brett Romberg is going to join the show today. We're going to get Romberg on. Canes have Clemson this weekend. Canes are a disaster. Everybody wants to hear from Romberg. I get people, they're messaging. Yo, you had Joy on. You had Amber on. They're great girls. When are we going to get the Rom Dog on? So, that time is today. We're going to get Romberg on the show. He'll join us. We'll talk some Canes. Maybe do a little bit of NFL with him. We'll catch up with our pal there. So, you're not going to want to miss that. Jessica Blaylock, she is our friend, Bally Sports Florida. She will make her return slash debut on Zaslow Show 2.0. See, once I started to get comfortable with everything, I mean, we got a whole team, you know, editing, producing the show. Whole team, lots of people. And once everyone got comfortable, then we could start adding in the guests. And that's what we've been doing here. So Jessica will join us coming up in the show today. I want to talk to her about Jonathan Uberto. Coming back here this Saturday, Panthers back in action tonight against Dallas, and yesterday, for the first time ever in Marlins history, Sandy Alcantara won the Cy Young, he won it with a unanimous vote, so we gotta talk to Jessica, so Jessica Blaylock will stop by, you don't know what else we're gonna talk about with her, Uh, maybe it's music, movies, concerts, we have very similar interests, so we'll get Jessica on the show, and we'll talk to her on Zaslow Show 2.0. All right, thanks everybody again. However, you're listening to the show, we're 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 reaching the end of week number three. The response, the reaction has been great. I appreciate everybody. However, you're listening, I can't list all the podcast platforms. All right, I'll be sitting here forever, but we're available everywhere. So like, comment, rate, subscribe. The algorithm, the algorithm loves all that kind of stuff. I I, I can't get involved in explaining to you how the algorithm works. But take my word for it. The algorithm likes when you do all that stuff, when you engage. So do it for the algorithm, all right? And make sure you check out the YouTube channel as well. We're posting all of our guest spots, and we're also posting a lot of the show. You know, like right now, you may be watching me. Sup? Tell your mother to say hello. You might be watching on the YouTube channel, all right? So I appreciate that. But let's think, let's start things off last night with your favorite little basketball team, the Heat Drop to 7-8. and eight. Uh, Next up, they're, they're in Washington, D.C. tomorrow night. But the Heat were without they were without Bam Adebayo, which he found out earlier in the day. They're still without Tyler Hero. Maybe he rejoins them at some point during the trip. And, you know, we talked to Eric Reed last night, uh, yesterday's show, and I said, not not the former midday host on 7-9 Ticket. I don't know what he's doing. But we talked to Eric Reed, television voice of the Miami Heat. And, you know, hey, what do you think about Vic making the trip, Oladipo? And, and I told him, I said, I-, I think it's just to be around the team, you know? Eric was hopeful it means at some point he'll play, but they ruled him out yesterday for the entire trip. So he- he's just there to-, to be around the team. That-, that whole scenario is disappointing. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. But last night, I mean, look, the big takeaway from last night, the Heat were shorthanded, obviously. And if you think the team is small when Bam Adebayo is in there, how about when he's not? How about when he's out? Last, it, it, it doesn't even look real. The second fewest rebound total 
in the history of the franchises last night. The Heat grabbed 23 rebounds. That's it. They were out-rebounded last night 42-23. to 23 total rebounds last night. And by the way, I mean, Caleb Martin grabbed nine of those. You know, you're... Jimmy Butler had a weird game last night. Butler, I mean, the fourth quarter, he got a little bit involved, but Butler had a weird game last night. He had just 13 points. He only took eight shots, got to the free throw line just five times. He had one rebound. One rebound. Jimmy had a weird game last night. So the Heat got hammered on the boards yesterday. And and here's the game. I know Kyle Lowry made mention this, and Lowry played well last night. Look, they were in Toronto. I guess he was trying, you know. But Lowry made mention of this last night after the game because of the rebound disparity and the Heat were out-rebounded, offensive rebounds, 16-4. to um, The Raptors took 86 field goals, field goal attempts. The Heat attempted 66. It's 20 more shots. Can't win like that. You'll lose every single time. And it's not one of those deals where, okay, like, like the game against Phoenix, uh, you, you know, I don't know what the overall field goal attempt total was that game, but when the Heat outshoot Phoenix from the free throw line, 25 attempts to four, it's pretty likely Phoenix is going to have a lot more field goal attempts because every time you're fouled on a shot, it's not counting as a field goal attempt, it's counting as free throws. So, all right, that number can be a little bit deceiving, that game against Phoenix. Last night, the Raptors took 20 more shots than the Heat. Each team shot 22 free throws. So that, that explains even further. How bad the rebound disparity was last night. Each team shot the same amount of free throws. And field goal attempts, the Raptors were a plus 20. You lose every time. Every time. And and, and the Heat were up by 11, 70 to 59 early in the third quarter. Great start to the third. And they wind up allowing 21 consecutive points. The Heat go seven-plus minutes of game time in the third quarter without scoring. An 11-point lead turns into a a 10-point deficit. Uh, A a huge swing. And you you wind up coming back. I think the closest the Heat got after that point, like it was a three-, four-point game the rest of the way, you know, from late third quarter then into the fourth quarter. But ultimately, couldn't get the stops. Offensive rebounds. That was the whole thing. Offensive rebounds for Toronto, and the Heat wind up losing there at the Raptors. And it doesn't even matter that that the Raptors... I mean, it matters, but it doesn't even matter that the Raptors without Siakam. I told you yesterday, the Raptors are very similar to the Heat. Team plays hard. They defend hard. They're smart. They're long. The Heat aren't long, but they're long. And the Raptors are always a problem, man. That's that, that's a well-run franchise, a well-coached team. I mean, Nick Nurse, he, he could be... You know, since Frank Vogel's not in the league right now, Frank Hole, you know, Nick Nurse... He may be the, the biggest offender when it comes to yelling at the opposing player on the sideline when he's shooting a corner three, but take that out of the equation. Nick Nurse, good coach. Good coach. So the Raptors beat the Heat last night. They're 9-7. and seven. The Heat dropped to 7-8. and eight. Next up is Friday. They're, they're in Washington, D.C. To, to take on the Washington Wizards. Uh, there's some other stuff that, that we'll get to later on in the show. I, I do think something that you want to take away from the game last night, since Bam didn't play... Nikolajovic got the start, and he was he was really good. Now, they didn't trust him late in the game. He was not in late in the game. Late in the game, you had your starting five minus Jovic, but with Gabe Vincent. So, coach didn't trust him late in the game, but Jovic got the start for Bam. He had 11 of his 13 points in the first quarter help get the team going. So, 
13 points. He was four of eight overall. Hit a three very early in the game. Four for four from the free throw line. He grabbed three rebounds. Kid did a good job. And maybe that's a jumping off point where you're going to start to see him a little bit more. Looked to me like he deserves it. So he did not look like a liability out there on the floor. And defensively, too. Didn't look like a liability. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I I didn't think he was a liability at all out there. So maybe that, that's, a, that's a positive takeaway. Maybe you look at that and say, all right, you know, th- this kid, he can contribute right now. Let's do it. Come on. So like I said, next up Friday night. Last night was disappointing. The big NBA news, though, yesterday was after giving up 153 points to the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings, they're not a joke. They're a decent team this year. This year. After giving up 153 points two nights ago to the Sacramento Kings, Kevin Durant, after the game, had a one-on-one sit-down with Bleacher Report, Yahoo's Chris Haynes. And he did a tell-all. And that was the big news yesterday uh, in the NBA. Yesterday afternoon and then into today, you got all the shows they're talking about, the radio shows, the national shows, very big news. So Kevin Durant sat down with Chris Haynes and did like a... You know, a, a tell-all about his trade request from the summer opened up about that and, and what's going on so far. A little bit of what's going on so far this season. So, I got a few takeaways in regards to that, alright? The first, if you read the story, it's not long, it's easy. But if you read the story, he, he, he crushes Steve Nash. Crushes him. I mean, <laughs> even, though after, even though he was surprised that Nash got fired... And he enjoyed coming to work with him every day. Crushes Steve Nash. I'll read you some of the quotes here. So when talking about what happened over the summer, quote, it wasn't difficult at all to request a trade because it was about ball. I went to them and was like, yo, I don't like how we're preparing. I don't like shoot-arounds like practices. I need more. I want to work on my bleep. Hold me accountable. Get on my ass and film. If that's going to help you get on everybody else's head, I want to do more closeouts. I want to work on more shell drills at practice. This was the type of bleep I was coming at them with. It wasn't like, yo, y'all need to make sure everybody around me make my life easier. Hell nah. I want to make sure everyone's, everyone else's life is easier. Ask Steve Nash. You can go call him right now. I would say, yo, I need more closeout drills. We need to practice more. That's what I was on. I wasn't feeling that, and nobody was on the same vibe with me. Jacques Vaughn is. I had some complaints in the summer. My complaints were not just about me. It was about how we're moving as a unit. I want us to be respected out here in the basketball world. I don't want players to look at us and say, oh man, these bleeps are full of, full of bleep. That's not the type of team I want to be on. So when we're playing like bleep, you know the one person they're going to look at. That's why I requested a trade. Okay. So just crushing Steve Nash. I like though how he told the reporter. I like how he told Chris Hayes, hey, if you don't believe that Chris Na- Chris- Steve Nash sucks, go call him. Call him right now. Call him right now. I'll tell you how much he sucks. That, that, I love that part. One of my biggest takeaways from that right there. First of all, what's the point in crushing Steve Nash at this point? I, I, I don't understand what the point is there. But you can't help but think he has no problem holding Nash accountable. He doesn't like the way Nash runs a practice. And listen, I don't want to sit here and defend Steve Nash. He should never have been the coach from the get-go. Which, by the way, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got there, they had a good coach. Kenny Atkinson. He's a current assistant for Golden State. 
He actually took the Charlotte Hornets job, then turned it down, and then went back to continue being the top assistant with the Warriors. Kenny Atkinson was the Nets coach. Remember, that team was supposed to stink. They were finally starting to recover from the, the disastrous draft picks, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade, and they were a surprise team. You had a bunch of, like, uh, go-getters, you know, between Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris. They had a nice little team that made the playoffs in the bubble, that made the play-in game, play-in tournament in the bubble. They had a nice little team, right? And Durant missed that whole season. And what happened when Kevin Durant was ready to play? They fired Kenny Atkinson. So they could bring in their guy. Steve Nash was Durant's guy. So they could bring in their guy. And as Kyrie Irving would say, we don't need a coach. They had a good coach. Durant and Irving wanted him fired. And the Nets said, okay. They wanted him fired. And they fired him. And now guess what? They hired a coach who had no experience. And Kevin Kevin Durant... He didn't like it. He didn't like the way that coach was was handling practices. Which, by the way, can we mention, is it quite possible that the practices were a little bit on the softer side because Durant was coming off of missing an entire season, because he had a major injury history, because he was coming off an Achilles tear? Is it possible? And that your other star player, Kyrie Irving, is always hurt when he's not finding other reasons not to play and be anti-Semitic. That he's always hurt too? Is that possible? Maybe that's why we took a little bit easy in practices? Okay. Maybe. Might be possible. So, no problem holding Steve Nash accountable. Never holds Kyrie Irving accountable. Never, ever holds Kyrie Irving accountable. Now, how about here? So, speaking of which, this was another takeaway from the story yesterday. When Kevin Durant talks about, uh, you know, not being a good leader. Which is not, he's a terrible leader. I'm not a leader? What the F does that mean? A lot of people say I'm not a leader because I didn't tell Kyrie to get vaccinated. Come on. Or I didn't condemn Kyrie for leaving the team, going out and living his life. I'm not about to tell a grown-ass man what he can and can't do with his own life and dissect his views or how he thinks about shit. Okay. All right. That's kind of what comes along with being a leader. Is you're the guy who sits others down and tells them, hey, we all got to get on the same page. We're not just going AWOL for two weeks like Irving did a couple years ago. And he's showing up uh, at parties unvaccinated. Now he has to sit out games because he violated protocol. Th- this is the kind of stuff that a leader does and holds dudes accountable. He's willing to hold the coach accountable and ask him to be fired. And he's not even willing to have a conversation with Kyrie about leaving the team. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. If what I used to do is Zaslow and Joy... I used to do Zazlo and Amber. Great girls. When I used to do those shows, if Amber just up and dipped for a couple weeks, went AWOL, didn't tell anyone, you don't think I would call her up and say, yo, time, what type of shit you on? You don't think if I was doing the show with Joy and Joy up and dips, she's got to take some time off. She's got to go AWOL. She's, she's doing something which is preventing her from doing the show with me, you don't think I'm going to sit down with Joy and say, what's going on? We need, I need you here. We're in this together. We made this decision here to be on this team together. What are you doing? You, you can't, that's called being a leader. You think if Amber or Joy just up and dipped, took some time off, isn't doing what's best for the show, I'm not at least going to have a conversation? I mean, look, he he didn't have to be a leader, but own up to it. He's not. He's an amazing basketball player. He is not a winning player. 
He's not. 11 years, not counting this year, this, this will be 12. 12 years not playing for the Warriors. He's been to the finals one time. Lost. One time. One of the all-time great players, 12 years not playing next to Steph Curry, has never won anything and has only been to the finals one time. Not a winning player. No problem holding Steve Nash accountable, wanting him fired. Won't even have a conversation with Kyrie Irving. Come on. You don't think Amber or Joy behave the way that he's behaving? I'm not going to at least have a conversation. Say, yo, what type of shit you on? Not even a conversation? And how about this one here too? So this is also talking about, you know, why he's requesting it, why he requested a trade. Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton. I mean, it's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Any lineup that Giannis is on the floor with, I expect him to win. Any lineup that Luka Doncic is on the floor with, I expect him to win. You go look at the Mavericks. You think Luka Doncic is playing with, with like, you think he's got a good supporting cast? You go look again. And, and, and by the way, no disrespect. Hey, let me list all the guys that I play with that suck, but no disrespect. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Klassen, it's not disrespect. What do you expect from that group? Yeah, let me name all the guys I play with who suck, but no disrespect. Now, here's where he's full of shit. Because he's talking about, he's talking, and by the way, I mean, just crushing your, like, crushing your teammates here. You know what, like, what's the point? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Shaq, who I love, but it reminds me of when Shaq on his way out here in 2008, it was no point, and this really helped create the, the rift between the Heat and Shaq, which of course has been totally patched up. But when Shaq was on the way out and, and he's taking shots at Chris Quinn and Ricky Davis, what's the point? What's the point of taking shots at Chris Quinn and Ricky Davis? It, like, this reminds me of, of, of Shaq on his way out. But here, here's why Durant is full of shit. He's talking about the reasons that he wanted to be traded, the reasons he requested the trade. Look at our starting lineup. Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. That wasn't his starting lineup. That wasn't his starting lineup over the summer. First of all, Royce O'Neal wasn't even on the team at that point. But, like, if you talk to Kevin Durant over the summer when he requested the trade, his starting lineup is him, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. Like, this wasn't his starting lineup. This isn't why part of why he's requesting a trade. It's full of shit. Like his starting lineup, he said, is Durant and Irving and Ben Simmons and, you know, maybe Seth Curry and, and, and Joe Harris. Like that's, or, or put in whatever big man you want there. Hell, bring in DeAndre Jordan back. You guys love him. It's kind of full of shit. No problem holding the coach accountable, though. Refuses to hold Kyrie Irving accountable. No, no accountability here directed toward Kyrie Irving in the story. None. None. My biggest takeaway, though, he's telling everyone he wants Kyrie Irving back. That's, that's my biggest takeaway. Because he, he's naming all you know the guys he's starting with now. Not the reason he requested a trade. That, he's full of crap there. But he's naming all the guys that are in the starting lineup now. He, this whole thing was 
he's telling everyone he wants Kyrie Irving back. He's telling the owner he wants Kyrie Irving back. He's telling the general manager he wants Kyrie Irving back. And and he's not going to be, like, I know teams are monitoring now about a trade. If you're a Heat fan, like, hey, you know, this is why the Heat held on to their, you know, assets. Because what if Durant wants another trade? So I don't think he's going to request a trade again. Because it makes it look like, this story makes it look like Nash was a major problem to him. And he's praising Jacques Vaughn here. You know, Jacques Vaughn's in on the way I want to do things. He just wants Kyrie back. He's not requesting a trade. You can't then. It, it'll make, he, he would look foolish for the Nash stuff. And then he also is saying that Jacques Vaughn is... On, they're on the same shit. It's just about him telling everybody, subtly, wants Kyrie back. That's this about. So, anyway... That was the big story yesterday as far as the NBA goes, was Durant explaining this trade request. But my biggest takeaways, he uh, no problem holding Nash accountable, refuses to hold Kyrie Irving accountable. He's kind of full of crap as far as his lineup goes. Uh, and he just wants Kyrie back. That's what it's about. Okay, so we're, we're running the gamut here with former co-hosts. Joy Taylor was on the show yesterday. Amber Wilson was on the show last week. So we got to go for the trifecta now. Uh, people have been asking, all right? They've been, they've been longing for, for the debut on Zaslow Show 2.0 of Brett Romberg. And now, I mean, listen, you've been on the phone with me many a times, you know, on the show. But now it, it's video. I mean, how nice is this, Brett Romberg? It's not too bad, man. I'm I'm glad that I'm in high demand. That's uh, that's pretty awesome, and thank you, obviously, for for having me on. I uh, although I am the third one to be on, that's that's cool. But it is what it is. You know what I mean? I'm, I know, of course. You know, women women take priority. I got it. Well, look, you know, I wanted to, you know, we, we we've, we're sprucing the show up. You know, I get I get the ladies out of the way first. They're both very right. attractive, and then I close it off with a with you. You know, I mean, it's not it's not it's still an upgrade from just me from just this face right here. But I figure, hey, let's get the attractive ladies on the show first. I, I do I do like the punum though, right? That that is the name, right? That is the actual uh, Yiddish yes. name for for the face of the punum. Yes, it is. You know what? It's. I told I told Joy yesterday, I said one of the things that I miss the most about doing the show with her is her and I, we, we have very similar movie and television show tastes. And I used to love being able to talk about that kind of stuff with her. And one of the things that I do miss about doing the show with you is I used to love explaining Judaism to you. Not that I'm some type of expert <laughs> when it comes to Jewish, but it's like... It's like explaining it to an alien, you know? I used to love explaining <laughs> Jewish stuff to you. I don't know what it is, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, baffled by a lot of it. And I guaranteed, guaranteed I grew up, like, some of my friends probably are and were Jewish back in Canada. But I don't know what it is. I just never realized it, you know, just obviously oblivious. And I, I, think, I think that's why I'm, like, probably so cool with a lot of the brothers, down here in South Florida, in particular, the ones that were on my team and every team that I've been on is, I don't know what it was, but we just never even looked at that, man. Like we didn't, we didn't look at your race or your religion. We just kind of all were all jacked up and messed up and, 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 you know, wanted to roam the streets a little bit. So, and ironically enough, I actually do, um, I, I do mention it quite often, uh, to a lot of Jewish people, in particular, one gentleman that, uh, that, uh, that when I refer to somebody that, you know, might not have the exact athletic build or size or ability 
I call it the, you know, the case of the Jew after what you have let me know about. Like, you know, it's like one of those things where, and then immediately they go into laughter. So uh, it, I appreciate the, the knowledge. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think a lot of people would like to know what, what you're doing these days, like what you're up to fans of, you know, Zazlo, Roms and Amber, uh, you know, from, from doing the show so many years and hearing you every day. I, I think a lot of people are wondering what you're up to right now, man. Well, you know, for the most part, a lot of it is just kids, to be honest with you. Once, once we took on that third kid. Uh, life became a little, little hectic being outnumbered, but, uh, but now that the, all three of them are in school, uh, I have a lot more time to, to focus on, uh, what I got going on now and kind of like working with uh, the university of Miami a little bit and, uh, dealing in the health sector, ironically enough. So, uh, working kind of with, as a business development side of things, working with, uh, certain hospital systems and, and different like oncology departments and, and extending living facilities and things like that in terms of, uh, in terms of the medical space. So that's what I've kind of dipped my toe into somewhat here. Uh, it obviously gives me some freedom to be with my family and to be with my kids. So, and also, you know, partake in sports here and there. I feel like some people may hear that like, wow, that's really impressive. And I, I always used to tell people when we started doing the show years ago and I started to really get to know you, you obviously come off like a meathead caveman many a times. Okay. And I right. love that. But But one of the things that I would tell people is, uh, you know, I, I would say, let me tell you something, because I've gotten to know him now. Romberg, not stupid. And right. and, and I know that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it, I'm making it really simplistic when I say it like that. Not stupid. But that really is what I would say to people, you know, where, yeah, you can come off one way, especially when we're talking about sports related and you're coming from that jock caveman perspective, but totally not stupid. So it, it doesn't surprise me that you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it kind of it baffles a lot of, especially now, you know, being in school systems and that you went through this back when I was on the show with you. And I could never understand it because my girls weren't at that level yet or at that age where, you know, you kind of do have to mingle with some other families and some parents of, of other kids. And, you know, immediately they hear and, 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 you know, kudos to these people and these families, predominantly a lot of businessmen, uh, a lot of uh, people that have done very well for themselves, a lot of predominant people in society. And the minute that they see me. Uh, at the school, they're automatically thinking, "Okay, meathead jock yeah. doesn't know what's going on." But but the minute we uh, we sit around a, a bottle of beer or, or have a cigar or whatnot, they they kind of get put in shock and awe at the at the level of intelligence, or even just like the vast uh, you know landscape of things that I might know a little bit about. I don't know a lot about uh, things, but I definitely know a little about a lot. I believe it, man. I believe it. So uh, I'll work my way to the Kings. We're going to talk about the Canes, Canes and Clemson this weekend. I'll work my way to the Canes with you. I know everybody wants to hear your thoughts, okay? And I certainly do as well. And I'm sure you got a little bit to say, all right? But I do do want to do a couple of of NFL things here with you. And I want to get from a a former player's perspective. So this past weekend, you saw a former center – just like yourself. And we know the centers are usually one of the smartest guys, at least football wise, are one of the smartest guys on the team. Okay. You played center. Jeff Saturday played center for Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. And he just debuted this past weekend and uh, a head coach with literally zero experience, no experience. High school doesn't count. I'm sorry. No experience as a head coach. All right. He debuts a bunch of people. Matt Bill Cower was on television, uh, you know, very angry about it that, you know, it's a disgrace to his profession that someone with no experience 
can, can just jump the line and get in front of everybody. Give me your thoughts on that right there. But also as a player, you're in that locker room and now they're telling you, hey, your new head coach right there, he was on your television a couple of days ago. He has no experience. Give me some thoughts on that. Well, you know, obviously I heard Joy Taylor's uh, position on this as well because she's been, you know, throwing her fist in the air about it. And I almost I almost agree with her. Um, I do. And the reason why I agree with her is because when I was done playing, I kind of had an opportunity to to get right into it, to, you know, to either start at uh, at the collegiate level or get into it at the professional level in the NFL of finding a way to get back in and stay in the locker room for the most part, whether that's administratively uh, working with Thomas Dimitrov with the Falcons, uh, becoming an assistant offensive line coach, or even becoming an offensive line coach uh, for, for, you know, for college football. I always heard the same thing, Brett, you can't start off at the top. You can't be the offensive line coach. You cannot be an assistant general coach. GM, basically, you know, general manager. You you can't be these things. You have to start off in the dark room, exactly the way that Spo started out. You got to eat a little bit of shit for a little while. You have to climb the ladder. And to a man, I've never, ever heard anything different. I've never heard anything different about anybody skipping up the corporate ladder. The amount of, you know, bureaucracy that goes on, the amount of dues that need to be paid. So this is where I agree with Joy 100%. And it does. I understand Cowher's position, too. It does really pull the rug out from underneath a lot of people that grinded and found ways to just stay and wait for their turn or their opportunity, you know. But um, but I also have the position of where Jeff's been around a long time. Jeff knows a lot about football. He also probably knows that being a head football coach, 60, 70 percent of it is about the delegation of everything. You need to be able to delegate and be able to trust your coordinator. So as long as Jeff Saturday has who he needs or who he thinks he needs as his coordinators, and then obviously his positional coaches, you very rarely have any interaction with your head coach. He's more of a game day, timeout, manage the clock, or the situation kind of coach. And as a player, you very rarely have any interaction with him. Um, you know, nowadays it's different. It's a little bit more different, especially what we see going on down here in Miami with the, with the Dolphins head coach, because he just seems like more of a player's coach, you know? So I could understand there might be more interaction in this day and age of football, but for the most part, yeah, I, I've, and even as recent as like two years ago, I was, I was asked if I wanted to go do anything coaching wise and they're like, okay, we'll start you off in the scouting department. And you're like, nah, scouting department's like what? 40 grand, 50 grand at, at best. You know, you're picking up dudes from the airport. So even even as as illustrious as an NFL career might be, you still have to start near the bottom. Um, there's a reason why, you know, Jason Taylor is probably not the actual defensive line coach. I'm sure, you know, time and commitment might be one of the 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 requirements at the University of Miami. But I don't know if JT is willing or ready to take on that amount of dedicated time to a particular craft. And once you sign up for that, man, it's, you're almost like signing your life away to it. Your family's gone. Everything's gone around you for at least four or five months out of the year. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm with joy too, man. If they make this decision to go ahead and have him as a head coach, this dude better ball out. He better really set precedent because just like they made an example of whether it's Richie incognito or anything new nowadays, um, if you don't follow up and follow through and either figure out a way to, to be 
outside of the norm, like what Jeff Saturday needs to be. This He needs to basically rewrite the whole playbook on what it is to be an NFL coach nowadays. Like he literally needs to be the messiah, if you will, of, of new coaching style and football uh, in order for this to go ahead and make any ground um, and, and, and have any opportunity in the future. So we're talking like five weeks ago, I think five or six weeks ago, when the Dolphins, uh, Thursday night football, the Bengals, Tua gets the concussion, the fingers, the whole deal. When you saw that, because I, I haven't spoken to you since then, when you saw that Tua, the fingers, stretcher, he's not moving, what were you thinking? I, You know, I was one of the people that, you know, again, Joy was pumping her fist in the air, talking about nobody called him out the week before. You know, nobody said anything the week before about Tua and why he didn't continue to play against the Bills and all this, why he did continue to play against the Bills. And I literally was one of the people that was like, there's no way in hell. This dude just got his egg scrambled. Never, ever in my life have I ever tripped and fall after getting up because my back hurt or my ankle was sore. If your ankle's sore, you're going to the ground a whole different way. If your back is sore, you're going to the ground a whole different way. You're not wobbling and and just, you know, in no man's land. So it was very evident to me, very evident to me that Tua had his bell rung. No questions asked. I don't care what expert you're talking about. And I actually know who the off the field expert was because he was a former Jacksonville Jaguar trainer that they were referring to as, you know, the eyes at home or the TV guy. Um, and, and that's ultimately the guy that ended up getting let go from the NFL um, moving forward with that whole decision. But then seeing him line up again the following weekend, I was like, OK, it's possible that he got his bell rung and it was a quick little uh, shake your head and get rid of the cobwebs kind of situation and then maybe may be able to move on which the majority of us have already done that like we do that inner game so you know you get your bell rung you don't know where you're at for a few plays and then all of a sudden everything kind of realigns but to watch the whiplash that he took and and, and the man that pulled him down that massive defensive lineman with the the torque that he whipped him around. I think that's ultimately where he got his concussion again, not necessarily by hitting the ground. Cause if you watch his head barely tapped right. the ground, it was more about that whiplash factor that he just got. It's almost like being in a bad car accident. Um, and, and I watched that. And then all of a sudden when you saw his fingers and he started throwing up gang signs, bro, I was like, Oh wow, this is real. This is real. And, and it's, it's unfortunate, but, I wasn't shocked, you know, to be perfectly honest with you. Imagine, you know, it's, it's, it's inner rivals, the bills playing against the the Miami dolphins. It's a very close game and it's the Miami dolphins possibly coming back and beating the bills who were supposed to be thumping the dolphins. So hell yes, they're not going to pull two out of that game, whether it's coaches or doctors or whoever it might be. The conversation, no doubt in my mind came from above and saying, he's not coming out find a way to get him back in the goddamn game. And being a football player that Tua is and a competitor, he's saying the same thing. There's no way in hell I'm coming out. No way. So I'm going to go ahead and find a way. I don't care if I got to lie on national television saying it was my back or my ankle. I'm not coming out of this game. So, you know, I get it on both sides of the fence. As ownership, as players, I get it as fans getting furious with the fact that they're jeopardizing the health of, you know, their, their starting quarterback. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the animalistic barbaric football approaches where you know what you're doing on that football field. You know what you're signing up for. You're not signing up for badminton. This is a violent sport. You're going to get hurt. I guarantee you in some form or fashion, you're going to get hurt no matter what. So, um, 
it sucks, obviously, but you can clearly see my man is still rolling, man. And he's just, he's just proving all of the people wrong that have ever doubted him. So he's he's so, you know, from from a football perspective now, because you know what you're watching, Brett, he's so awesome, right? Bro, dude is, and I'm, again, the big knock on him was the fact that he can't throw the ball far, right? Which he still can't. I don't care what anybody says. It's still not like a, he's not exactly a bomber, but, uh, He's got wide receivers that are fast as hell. Number one, number like everything, two, like everything we're it. seeing right now is why everyone did tank for Tua. This, like Absolutely. this, this is it. Like this is why he was going to be the number one overall pick if he didn't get a hip injury. And you could see how much of a difference just coaching makes. Like finding somebody to articulate what he's really good at, or emphasize what he's really good at. Um, you can and see also at some guys level. are like that, right? Where Flores was a hard ass and didn't believe in him. McDaniel is cut from a different cloth and he does believe in him. And some players, right? They kind of need that pat on the back, right? Oh, 100%. The the amount of confidence, like as much as a player might say, um, I don't need the pat on the back or I don't need anybody to tell me that I'm doing good. Shit, yeah, you do, man. You're a human being. You absolutely need somebody to go ahead and tell you you're doing a good job. I don't care if you're a husband or a wife or a kid, you need gratification and reassurance that the things that you're doing in the level of want and the level of, uh, uh, of diehard perseverance, like you saw what Carr did the other day. Carr was on the goddamn podium crying his eyes out. Did you like that? Did you he, like seeing that? I did because it shows that, you know, some guys care and some guys don't care and they're still getting checks and they're still... You know, they're they're basically just going to work every day and punching their ticket and punching the clock. That's all they're doing. And they don't care if they win or if they lose. And that's been going on forever and a day because the whole line is checks don't change. Whether you win or lose, checks don't change. And you got guys that are passionate about the game, that are taking every drug imaginable just so they can show up at 730 in the morning and get a workout in and lay it on the line for their teammates because they really have a lot of pride in what they do. But they also got a lot of guys that don't care about the guy next to them, that don't care about football. All they care about is getting the bag. You know, it's just, just, it's it's sad. It's sad. It really is. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the Canes here. If I walk up to Brett Romberg, I want you to finish this sentence, okay? If I walk up to Brett Romberg, I see him on the streak. Oh, man, that's Brett Romberg right there. Remington Trophy winner, national champion, never gave up a sack. He played in the NFL. If if I see, oh, I got to go talk to him, I'll walk right up to you. I go, yo, Romberg, the Miami Hurricanes are. And how do you finish that sentence? In a horrible spot right now and are in a massive rebuilding phase. Um, and I will say probably soft as baby shit, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and, and I don't know if you saw this already today with Mario Cristobal about the kids going home and crying to their parents and crying to their moms about playing time and uh, about coaches yelling at them. Obviously, nowadays you're dealing with a different football player, a much softer football player than what there was back then. The physicality, I think, of this game is going to deteriorate to ultimately nothing where it's going to be flag football. Uh, You saw that happen. So I've never seen more of a deterioration of a sport as rapid as it has been in terms of, you know, from the time that I hung them up, 2012 till now basically a decade of football it has totally done a 180 there's no massive hits anymore you're not allowed to hit uh under under what is that called in terms of like players that uh that aren't protected um 
defenseless. Whatever the phrase is. Yeah, defenseless players. Um, quarterbacks are getting early whistles. You're not allowed to roll on a quarterback now. You can't get up and push off. A, the, the amount of rules that they're trying to preserve the lifetime of certain quarterbacks and certain players nowadays is mind-boggling. You might as well just sign them up for seven-on-seven. Seven. And I think the direction of this game is not – trajectory is not going good, to tell you the truth. Um, I think it's totally changing. Um, somewhat, Some people would say for the better, you know, to try to preserve the amount of money that they're actually guaranteeing these players to keep them upright and on the football field. But you're also creating a lot of soft-ass kids and a lot of soft-ass players that uh, that might not be taking care of their bodies or working their bodies to the level of fatigue like they used to. And I think I was a, I was a firm believer. If you ask Bill Cower about this too, you ask any coach about this, um, the physicality that you do during the week prepares you for the anguish that you're going to face on Saturday. And a lot so, of what I've been hearing as well is Cristobal is really hard on them during the week, right? I sure as hell hope so, because I think he's trying to filter out the guys. Like, I'm not going to be shocked come December 5th if we have more than 10 guys hit the transfer portal. I won't be shocked whatsoever, and I would actually welcome a lot of it, to be honest with you. Um, former players right now, for the first time in a long time, are high on coaching and very down on players. Um, and I think if you asked, and I did this the other day on the Alta Huddle podcast, if you ask me right now to go ahead and name five guys on either side of the football that you want to keep for next year to build a foundation, could you name five? And we literally had a hard time coming up with five. Wow. Like that is, that is sad. We had Lou Headley, our kicker, our punter, um, and, uh, and Bora Gallus basically was two of the guys that had to pick up some of the spots on offense, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it even got to the point where, um, you know, offensive line wise, what do we got going on? Why, why receiver wise? I couldn't name you a relative wide receiver for the university of Miami. Like there's, there's no, there's no wide receiver that you're going to go out and buy a Jersey of like there, there isn't maybe Restrepo, you know, for fun. I don't know, but to be perfectly honest with you, I don't see anybody. You're getting a kid that's transferring in here from, from Juco ultimately and being our leading wide receiver of our program and making an immediate impact. You got a kid that just came in in January. Now Jakari, that is basically our starting quarterback. You know, and I, I really would moving forward, pending on I'm not seeing what's going on in the film room, but pending on just looking at the relationship that he has and the camaraderie that he has and the spark that he ignited last weekend against Georgia Tech. I know it's Georgia Tech. It just you saw a different form of body language. You saw guys elevating their play because they either needed to protect him a little bit more or they just had a better relationship with him outside of that huddle. And. Sometimes it takes that. Sometimes it takes a backup coming in, whether it's threatening a, a starting position or just the fun, candid relationship that you would have with a backup that you really might not have with a starting guy. And and I think that the mobility of Jakari, the 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 you know the throwing is yet to be determined, but uh, but the ability of execution and, and the lack of mistake and the drives that they took so much time off the clock and 11 play drives, seven play drives, eight play drives, you know, the time of possession was incredible. And the fact that the offensive line finally came together, I know they got a, a couple new guys in there, but it, it seemed like they were a little nastier. I think they ran for a couple hundred yards. They had like 40 something carries for a couple hundred yards. So they really seemed to control the line of scrimmage. So how, now it's just a matter of go ahead. How, how surprised do you think Cristobal is? with what's gone on this season do you, do you think he do you think he had like do you like did he think they were going to be good this year 
No, he knew immediately what he, because he would watch them. You know what I mean? He would watch them last year. Every time he would have his game, he'd go back and see if the Canes had their game a little bit later or even earlier in the day. And he would watch, you know, Mario was just a giant Canes fan to begin with. And he would watch and, and he saw it from afar. He saw the amount of mistakes. He saw the amount of softness. He knew that this was going to be an uphill battle. But this is one of the things that he wanted to take on before his career of coaching was over with. And the stars aligned and everything worked out for him. But um, he he knew. He knew this was going to be doing. really hard. Yeah, but I don't think he knew about the stuff that he was inheriting in terms of like academic stuff and drug test stuff. And there was a lot of things that Mario wasn't privy to about these kids and how they operated outside of that locker room. Uh, both academically and, and party-wise. You know, there's just no accountability here, like zero accountability. Manny Diaz had no accountability at all to any of these players, uh, whether it was upon themselves or or any kind of leadership roles that were trying to, you know, negate any of that stupid stuff that was going on here. Wow. Uh, so you, you, you know, you and your former teammates, as far as Cristobal goes, like you guys are – like obviously, I, there's no way you expected this kind of season, but you, you're totally in on Cristobal. You, you still you think he's the guy? He'll be all right. Yeah, I, I really, you know, you know why? I think it's because you know the cycle of sports is 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 very secular. Um, if you look back at '97, this is Butch Davis all over again. Like okay. this really is, and and he, for that matter, you know, Butch was a dictator, and I think Mario's a dictator. There's a certain yeah. way to do things, and and whether he's holding his coaches or players accountable, Butch did the same damn thing. Your scholarship was threatened, even though back in the day when you signed your letter of intent, you're expected four years. That ain't going to be the case. If you ain't given everything you got for Mario Cristobal and his staff, you're gone the next year. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear you whining about it. He doesn't want to hear you crying about it. Uh, there's a certain level of entitlement that's over there right now that he's trying to flush out, and. And I really do believe that this is the 97 season. And the reason why is because there was banners being flown around the Orange Bowl. Butch, thanks, national champs, the chumps. Yeah. And five and six was what that season was. And I came in and just after that, in the January, just after that. And then they basically weeded out all the cancer that was on that football program. There might have been a lingering year after that. But for the most part, you started getting Butch Davis's class, his recruiting classes, whether it was the Santana Mosses, Reggie Waynes, Jeremy Shockey's, uh, God damn, you name it, Winslow's, everywhere up, up to when the Miami Hurricanes sucked, maybe two years after Coker started as a head coach. And that was the last year of Butch Davis's recruiting class. And you could see the, 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 the slow decline uh, there after. So I really believe that Mario is rebuilding the foundation the right way, going back to getting players that. We want not necessarily paper champs. We want dogs. That's what we want at this program. We're, we're not interested in and 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 what you've done in high school. We want to see what you are willing to do and what you're willing to go ahead and give in order to go ahead and make this program great again. When someone says to me, you know, I'm like, well, what do you think? What do you think has gone so wrong this year? And someone says to me, well, they had bad players who were in a system that fits them, and now they have bad players who are in a system that doesn't fit them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's because, you know, the turnover situation at Miami, uh, we've had a lot of head coaches. Uh, we've had a lot of different ideologies. We've had a lot of different characters. Uh, and if you look at molds that have been built at, at whether it's Alabama, Clemson, you know, there's a lot of level of consistency there. And if you saw a short burst of what Florida State has built, Florida State's in like, I think, year four now of Novell. 
So they've already created their mold of what they're looking for football player-wise. Uh, Saban, obviously, there are certain players that aren't Alabama Crimson Tide players. They're very, very good, and they go somewhere else, and they do very, very well. Um, but what Mario has in terms of his mold is a little bit different than what has been here in the past, um, in particular the Manny Diaz era. Uh, Mark Richt is, you know, I think Mark Rick was just ultimately a statue when he was here. Uh, he was a, a money grab for the most part, and I think that he helped raise a good amount of money, and he, he did what he was, I guess you could say, hired to do. Uh, when he Look, came Mark here, Richt has uh, Mark Rick gave that gave uh, you know the Canes fan a forever game that Notre Dame game that's a forever game you're always going to remember it. Yep. I mean he gave the Canes yep. fan uh, the best season they've experienced in the last twenty years. So I got a hard time really being down on Mark Rick. Like I understand what yep. you're saying, but I I got a hard time being down on Mark Rick. Yeah, he's a great human being. Uh, he 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 did what he was supposed to do when he got here. Obviously, the man got ill. Uh, you can't predict that. But I knew from the jump, he came here for his retirement package. Yeah. I, I knew from whatever the guys from the Falcons told me, the coaches from the Falcons, obviously being right next to UGA up there, they called me and they're like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, that guy's coming there to retire. So I don't know if you guys are looking to go ahead and build an organization with him, but he's just basically going there to retire. So I knew that from the jump. But in terms of big name, you know, big recruiting, big uh, big check donations, he, he did exactly what yeah. he was hired and brought in to do. Yeah. Finally here, Brett, uh, how how mad were you? Or or maybe you weren't because maybe you expected it. How mad were you after the FSU game a few weeks ago? Because I've been around Brett Romberg. We've been in the suite with the FSU game, and he tries to jump out the window of the suite because that was uh, uh, the game where Jameis, Jameis had never lost, came all the way back. Canes were, Canes were up like 21-6. Jameis came back, yeah. won the game. Romberg's trying to jump out the suite window to fight FSU fans. Uh, his wife is holding him back, saying, think about your daughters. Think about your girls. And, and we're trying to hold <laughs> Brett back from fighting. Uh, were, were you okay after this I'm, year I'm loss? And I'm tweeting at LeBron James, telling yep. him to f off. Yeah. I oh yeah, that. LeBron. Uh, yeah, for people who don't remember, so LeBron, LeBron, because that day he was an FSU fan. I mean, just no character as a sports yeah, fan. Clearly. And and after the game, he was so no. excited about the win. And, and Romberg uh, was very upset. He goes, "You see this tweet?" I go, "Yeah, I saw the tweet." Go, man, that pisses me off. I go, "You know what, man? If you're mad, you should you should <laughs> you shouldn't keep all that bottled up, man. You should you, voice your opinion. Yeah, you should tell them how you feel. You gotta let that out. It's not healthy keeping that all bottled up. You should, yeah, really? You think I should say something? I go, "Yeah, I think you should tweet something right now. That's not healthy to keep that all bottled up, man." How were yeah. you okay uh, after this one? Yeah, I really was. Um... You know, I, I just – I think I saw after the losses of Middle Tennessee and Duke and stuff like that, I, I kind of knew what I was dealing with at that point in time. So I was I was emotionally ready. Um, not to say that, you know, at the beginning of the season, if you would have rewound and, and looked at the amount of, of tidal wave of excitement and yeah. confidence that we had with the Miami Hurricanes going yeah. into the season, there was no way that Florida State was going to knock us off. And then all of a sudden, you know, Florida State's 3-0 and and we're kind of pooping the bed a little bit. So um, – I, I wasn't as, as, you know what I was more than anything? I was probably just more disheartened and disappointed in the players for letting it get that out of hand. You know, there, there's just a certain level of pride. And when you're just, you know, laying down and putting your ankles behind your ears and just ready to go ahead and take it, I, I really didn't, uh, for a lack of a better explanation, I, I basically felt like that's what we did. We just kind of laid down like a dog getting ready to get his belly scratched. That, that's the way it looked to me. And, you know, that that shows a lot of the character currently that might be in some of the leadership positions on that program. 
Robert, tell everyone how uh, they can catch you and your pals on Out the Huddle. Yeah, man, we do uh, we do a Twitter space basically every Tuesday night, uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, we launch some uh, long extended video stuff on the Dime Life page as well. Uh, we had some sit-downs with TVD and Lou Headley, and uh, we got some really cool up-and-coming stuff as well. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, talking with Sean Taylor's daughter or doing a bunch of different things. So we, we you know, it's it's sparing. It's definitely sparing, but uh, but we're pretty consistent with that Twitter space on Tuesday nights, and we get to voice our opinions, and we, we ask about the Kane fan and, and you know, how they want to go ahead and come on and, and say they're, you know, basically vent ultimately is what it is. But, uh, but we try to put a positive spin on things and, you know, keep people engaged. Um, a lot of golden canes, a lot of people in that cane community come on and, and uh, a lot of writers and, uh, and people covering the canes are, are pretty involved in it as well. So it's a good, it's a good perspective collectively on, on what's going on with Miami football. So uh, you can check that out as well on Dime Life's Twitter page too. So great job, man. Not much of a, not, not much of a social media guy anymore. As I got my I got my IG hacked a couple of years ago, and I never really made any kind of attempt at getting it back. To be honest with you, you yeah, never recovered. Roberts. You never recovered. No. <laughs> no, I think my last post was like a Naples post on Memorial Day a couple of years ago, and that was they, really about they it. They took you out. They ended it for you, man. They hurt. They, they didn't hurt. They didn't hurt. They didn't hurt the kid, man. I'm out. Romberg, excellent job, man. This was fun. I like being able to do this, and we could see each other again. This was good. Yeah, hell yeah, man. So how's the, how, the show's going awesome, man. I, I've heard nothing but great things. So yeah, congratulations oh, to you. Thanks. I, I know, I know that. we've been talking about you doing something solo mission now for a while. What, what's up with the wrestling, man? When are you going to start doing some more wrestling stuff? I, I am. It, we're we're uh, This weekend is going to be the third episode. Every Saturday, I got a wrestling show. It's called It's Still Real to Me. I know. I, I saw the one episode you guys had an interview with. You know what you got to do? You got to get little mini Zaz on there interviewing and asking. A, have him one week just be like, okay, think of a really good question that I need you to ask the wrestler. Because okay. Clearly, the wrestlers love the kids. Yeah. And I think hearing what your son wants to know about, about okay. you know, a wrestler, I think that'd be a really cool thing. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm finally doing it. I'm doing it. It's every Saturday. It's still real to me. It's me. Uh, I got a co-host. We do it together. We recap all the big news and stories in pro wrestling that week. It's a lot of fun. I love it. So, yeah. That's glad awesome, you man. Yeah. You know, two, two-time champ, man. Two-time two time champ, bro. That's, That's right. You only got baby. one, man. I got two times as many as you. You only got one. Come on. I know. Come on. I know. I know, man. Great job, Brett. I appreciate it, man. We'll do this again soon. Oh, hell yeah, man. Anytime. I'm around. Great job by Romberg there. You know, I I understand the parents. I know that's a thing right now where you, you got the parents. Because, you know, Cristobal, was it yesterday? Where he, he was asked about, you know, what do you make of parents who are complaining uh, on social media? And, and he, great response. If you're unhappy with your... With your son's playing time, you can drive over to the University of Miami and pick him up. Oh, my God. I love that. Some of these parents, I get it from a parent's perspective. You're frustrated. It's your kid. It's your son. You know, it's it's the most important thing to you in the world. But some of these parents are out there wiling. Like the the one parent, I don't remember his name, but he, he messaged the assistant coach, told him that, uh, you know, you're a piece of work. Uh, I'm going to pray for you. And it's like, come on, man. And, and and he since deleted the tweet, but that's not going to help, you know. Between the the and I get it's college kids, but even when you're talking, when you get with the pros and you got the brothers and the sisters or the mothers, and they're and they're going on social media, there's no way, there's no way that the player is cool with that. Now for a college kid, it's a little bit different, but that's not going to help. You, you, you're telling the assistant coach on social media that uh, I'm going to pray for you. You're a piece of work. 
Uh, I, I like the response, though, from Cristobal. You got, you got to weed out the kids who shouldn't be here. You know, you heard Romberg there. We uh, Now, what I did think was interesting, though, were Romberg pretty much telling you that Cristobal is not surprised that he's having to do this. Uh, Robert did admit, though, I mean, you go back and you hear all the ways that they were talking before the season started. They thought that they didn't think it was going to be hard like this, and they thought that they were going to be good, you know, right away. But that Cristobal is not terribly surprised. Uh, that was one of my biggest takeaways there from that conversation with Brett. Anyway, we're going to get to Jessica Blaylock coming up in a moment. I want to talk to her about Sandy Alcantara winning the Cy Young yesterday, unanimous. Uh, and also you got the Panthers back in action tonight. Come on, let's go. You got Huberto coming to town on Saturday with Calgary. This is game four of the five-game homestand, two and one so far. I'm not going. Not going tonight. I'm going to sit at home, watch on the Zazzle Mansion family room couch. Uh, we'll have Panthers big TV. That's right. Panthers stars big TV. And smaller TV, you got Thursday Night Football, Titans and Packers. That might be a decent game. So we'll have that on the small TV. There you go. And as I mentioned earlier, the Heat are back in action tomorrow night. But let's do this now. All right, so we, we know the Panthers are back in action tonight. I've been to, I've, I got a good uh, rate of going to Panther games so far this year. I've been to three games. I'm two and one. All right, me and my son, my 11-year-old Jordan, we, uh, we're, we're Panther buddies. He is way into the Panthers now, which is so fun for me. Uh, and, and yesterday was also a, a, a big day in the history of the Miami Marlins. So we bring aboard for her return slash debut on Zaslow Show 2.0. Our friend is Jessica Blaylock, Valley Sports, Florida. So this is new, Jess, because I've been having you on my show for years now. And uh, th- see... I got, I've been getting messages from people. Hey, Zaslow, you know, the interviews you're doing, even though they're with people who you've had on the show before, they've been so good. And I'm like, yeah, I'm realizing that it's so much <laughs> easier talking to people when you could see each other. So this is new and this is fun. I know. I really like this. First off, I love that we're reunited. And I totally feel you on the being able to actually see someone when you speak to them because it drove home all over again during COVID how important that was because we were interviewing guys through, you know, Zooms or looking into a camera that was in the stands where they were on the field and you couldn't see their facial cues and you couldn't really react off of what to, you know, what they were saying, what they were doing. And you forget how nice it is to really just be able to look at somebody face-to-face and have a conversation. Yeah, but ultimately, overall, I I just, I love that we're getting to catch up again because I always, always loved coming on with you, especially the fact that we'd be like, okay, we're going to talk about Panthers and Marlins, and then (laughs) inevitably, we'd have a conversation about like our top favorite bands of all time, (laughs) and it was great. (laughs) Well, so so this is the first time I've spoken to you in a couple months, obviously. Have we seen any good shows recently? You know what? I... I think the last show that I saw was the Black Crows. I oh, really so good. go see Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. Um, but we had a, a hockey game that night. So um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. I think the next show that I'm thinking about going to is actually in December at Hard Rock, the Jason Bonham. Led oh, Zeppelin. that's probably fun. Like he's, now, he's done a bunch of those shows and I've never made it out. That's probably yeah. fun. I've seen them before, oh. um, and so I'm, I'm thinking about going again because, obviously, it's the closest I'll ever get to seeing Led yeah. Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't seen them before, then I would definitely put that on your list. I'm the same way where it's like, I, I just, 
I'm never going to see Led Zeppelin, you know, and, and and it's I'm never going to get over that. And it's funny that you <laughs> mentioned Greta Van Vliet, who I want to see. I've never seen them. And I remember when Greta Van Vliet, when I was first introduced to them and they started to to get some hype and whatnot, and people were critical of them because, oh, they're a Led Zeppelin ripoff. They sound just like Led Zeppelin. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I, I'm like, okay, I, I wish every band sounded more like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Where is the problem here, right? <laughs> I completely agree. I'm like, the more they sound like Led Zeppelin, the better, because so much music these days is just terrible, just terrible. So, hey, if Greta Van Fleet wants to literally mimic Led Zeppelin to the T, more power to them. I'm going to listen. I want someone to point me in the direction of all the bands out there that sound like Led Zeppelin. That's that's my starting point. <laughs> I want you to show me all the bands who sound like Led Zeppelin, and I'm going to listen to them. This is not bad. No, so. I'm with you. And that's also why I have a bone to pick with Pandora. You put on Led Zeppelin as your station, and like for whatever reason, like five songs later, they're playing like a live version of Taylor Swift. And I'm like, <laughs> how did we go from Zeppelin to being a Swifty? And I have no problem with Taylor Swift. I got a lot of her on my running mix. But when I put on a Led Zeppelin station, I want to hear Zeppelin. I want to hear Pink Floyd. I want to hear ACDC, the Beatles, maybe. Like the connections that the Pandora station sometimes draw make absolutely no sense to me. It's so, funny. You know we'll, which we'll both do the research together to find the, the Zeppelin sound like bands you know which pandora station is really great actually my wife and i we love the counting crows pandora station not because we necessarily love counting crows because they're fine okay i've seen them live it's one of the worst live shows i've ever seen counting crows are fine yeah especially august and everything after it's a great album but the counting crows pandora channel is awesome because the other bands that they mix in it's all the, you know, the 90s, uh, like, it's it's some 90s alternative. It's 90s college yeah. music. Like, it's the Counting Crows <laughs> channel is great, Jessica. All right, I'm going to have to check that out. I bet they mixed in some Grateful Dead, too, because the Counting Crows actually did a fantastic cover of um, a Grateful Dead song. And I'm blanking on the name right now. It'll uh, come to me. But I wonder if they mixed in some Grateful Dead. Okay. All right. I like getting this started with a little bit of music here on a Thursday. I like this. All right. We'll, we'll get to Panthers in a second here. Friend Panthers. of the Devil. Friend of the Devil. The okay. Counting Crows do a great cover of Friend of the Devil. So we'll get to some Panthers coming up in a second. And uh, But first, I, I want to talk to you. It was an historic day yesterday for the Marlins, Sandy Alcantara. First ever Marlins pitcher to win yeah. Cy Young. They've had a couple of guys who've been in the conversation before. Jose Fernandez obviously had been in the conversation. Yeah. Dontrell Willis had been in the conversation before. But Sandy Alcantara, first Marlin ever to win Cy Young, and he did it unanimous. Was that a surprise that it was unanimous, Jessica? I don't think it was a surprise at all. In fact, I think it was relief. As I, I think sometimes we see these players in South Florida putting together special seasons and you're just afraid that they're almost going to go unnoticed or unrecognized uh, because sometimes 
teams like the Panthers and teams like the Marlins kind of seem to be on the back burner for their respective leagues. And I think the thing that stood out to me was that it was unanimous. And it made me so happy that not only did we recognize what a special season Sandy put together, but league-wide people recognized and respected it and acknowledged it. So I think the the one thing that I loved most about Sandy winning the Cy Young was that it was a unanimous decision and it was absolutely the right decision. And, you know, did Julio Urias and Max Fried deserve to be finalists? Absolutely. They put together great seasons as well. But what Sandy did was on such another level, um, especially considering the innings pitched. And I think that to me is one thing I always come back to is the fact that Sandy's numbers are even more impressive. Sure, maybe he didn't have the lowest ERA in the National League like Julio Urias. Maybe he didn't finish, you know, in all the the top five categories that Free did. But guess what? Sandy took on about five to six more starts and opened himself up that much more to giving up hits and giving up runs and giving up home runs and you know, having a a higher ERA and it just to me drives home how, how much more impressive Sandy's numbers were because of the sheer number of times he opened himself up more to being vulnerable, uh, to having worse numbers than he ended up having. So, I love that he won it. I, I didn't think there was any doubt he was going to win it. And the fact that he won it unanimously was 100% the cherry on top. It's uh, super difficult to do what he did considering he he played for a bad team and to still be able to put up that kind of production and still get that kind of respect. Now, he's he's locked in, you know, for, what, the next four or five years. So, you know, the Marlins got an extremely yeah. team-friendly deal uh, with him. So that's fantastic. Does he appear, you know, losing can, you know, be grading. Does he appear to to like it here? Oh, I think so. I think that he and Pablo especially, you know, I, I remember around the trade deadline, you could tell, especially with Pablo Lopez, that it was weighing on him yeah. as to whether or not he was going to, stay here in Miami. And I think when the trade deadline came and went and and he was still here, there was such a huge sense of relief for Pablo, but I think there was a sense of relief for Sandy too, because I think, I think Sandy loves pitching with this rotation. I think he loves being here, especially with all of the culture and him being from the Dominican Republic. I think he absolutely loves working with Mel Stottlemyre Jr. So I think you know, every time you hear Sandy talk about pitching and being here, he truly talks about it with a passion and that he is pitching for Miami and the Marlins and these fans. So to know that we're going to get the chance to continue to watch him for the next several years. Oh my gosh, how much fun is this going to be? I mean, to know that this guy just unanimously won a Cy Young and still thinks he's just scratching the surface of his potential. I mean, buckle up your seatbelt and lock in because Sandy has still got so much more to do, so much more to accomplish, and we're going to get a front row seat to it. I'm uh, I'm having a great 
experience with the Panthers so far this year, Jessica. Now they're nine, six and one tonight. They got Dallas. These next two home games on this home stand are very tough. Dallas off to a good start. And Saturday is going to be a really special bittersweet kind of day because Jonathan Uberto makes his return. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'll ask you about that in a second, but I'm having a great experience so far with the Panthers because, uh, since I'm not working the heat anymore, my schedule is a lot more open now. I can go out there to FLA Live Arena. I'm taking my son with me. We've been to three games so far this year. And my 11-year-old, my younger one, and he has really taken a liking to the Panthers and to hockey and learning about it. Now, Love it. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna play dumb and not understand that, hey, this has a lot to do with, yeah, the team's good, you know? And, and so the point that I'm trying to make is, for a Panther franchise that's in year number 30, I believe it is now, uh, when you have some kind of sustained success, which they've never had since the very beginning of the franchise, the infancy years, this is how you attract the younger audience. You know, if, the, if we're going back seven, eight years ago, my 11-year-old son is not going to be interested in going to these games and learning about everything. But right now, the team is awesome. They're coming off a great year. This, Jessica, is how you capture a generation of fans. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it was such a fun season last year with them winning the president's trophy and, and all the success that they had at home, you know, making it to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 1996, um, you know, brutal to, to run into the juggernaut that was the Tampa Bay Lightning once again last year. But, you know, you come into the season and knowing some of the moves they made, including getting a guy like Matthew Kachuk, who to him. me has been everything as advertised and who has completely endeared himself to the Panther fan base. Um, Yeah. I think there's a lot of optimism heading into this year, knowing that you are a team that is built to contend in the playoffs year in and year out. And to see all the pleasant surprises to start this season, you know, the, the play of Brandon Montour, who was phenomenal stepping up with Aaron Ekblad getting hurt. Etulos Reinen, who is having such a tremendous start to the season, both offensively and defensively, and seems to be one of the most underrated players in the league that nobody really talks about. The continued growth of Gustav Forsling. The fact that, you know, yeah, Barkov, Verhage, uh, Bennett, some of those guys, Reinhardt had a really slow start to the season. But now they're getting going. So watch out for that. You know, Sergei Bobrovsky was sensational the other night, yeah. um, you know, with that 40 save performance. You've got a great balance between being able to play Bob and being able to call upon Spencer Knight. I mean, there, uh, there are so many reasons to enjoy watching this Panthers team and to think about the fact that really the first couple of weeks, the first month or so of the season was a lot about Paul Maurice getting to know these guys, these guys getting to know his system, trying to figure out what worked as far as line combinations. Um, And so I think to, to have, you know, the record that they do to have, you know, a spot currently in the playoffs, I know it's still early in the season, but to be in a playoff spot, um, I think you have to be really pleased with what you've seen overall from this team. And the fact that, you know, I know last year, one of the biggest differences was there were a lot more games that were blowouts. And yeah. I feel like every game this 
everything has pretty much come down to the wire. You think wire it's going to help them or in the been long a run? One goal game. I absolutely do. I actually talked to Sam Bennett about that a couple of days ago at practice. You know, I was like last year by the all-star break, we pretty much knew who the playoff teams were. It was really more, you were playing for positioning at that point. This season from one night to the next, you check the standings and a team that was second in the division because of one loss falls out of a playoff spot. Like there is no room for error this year. There's no room for losing a couple of games in a row. Um, the East in general, not just the Atlantic division, but the East in general is brutal. And so, you know, that's one thing Bennett and I were talking about how basically he expects it to be like that the entire season, a fight for positioning, a fight for points. But that is only going to make teams, you know, as cliche as it is to use the phrase battle tested, it really is going to make teams, you know, much more battle tested for when a tough playoff push begins. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a good thing. And I think we've seen already early on this season that there are truly no no easy nights, especially when you're playing in the division, especially when you're playing an opponent from the East. Last thing for you Je- here, Jess. Jess is heading to morning skate. Panthers have the stars tonight. Um, Huberto is going to return. It's going it's to be his only visit to town uh, this weekend, this Saturday, as the Flames are here. <laughs> Do you do you know what the team may have planned? Uh, are you guys for Bally? Like, have you requested to to talk to him? Are you going to get some access to him? Uh, do we know what's going on with Huberto for this weekend? Yeah, and not just Huberto, but Mackenzie Weaver as well. You know, who was a homegrown guy who under went so much growth uh, during his time with the Panthers and and was so passionate about being here too. And Kachuk facing Calgary for the first time. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of storylines going into Saturday Um, with it being a four o'clock game on Saturday, most likely neither team will have a morning skate. Um, So we are going to practice tomorrow, not only for the Panthers to be able to talk to guys like Kachuk and and hopefully an Aaron Ekblad about seeing Weegs and, and, and Alexander Barkov, who, you know, that relationship with Huberto for years was such a critical relationship. Um, but we are going to stick around for Calgary's practice and hopefully talk to, to both Huberto and Weegar about returning as well. Um, so yeah, Saturday is going to be a game filled with just a ton of emotion, you know, and just remembering all of the, all of the wonderful moments that we got to experience with both Hubie and Weeks. I have no doubt that the team has something planned for both of them, you know, to say thank you for all of their contributions over, over the years. Um, and then I expect, I expect that game because, you know, Hubie's going to be amped up. Weeks is going to be amped up. Kachuk is certainly going to be amped up. I mean, I, I think that game is going to be a ton of fun on top of, you know, kind of all the emotional ties into it as well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Jess, excellent job. I enjoyed this. I like being able to see you now when we have you on the program. So much fun. Let's do this again soon. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jess. We'll uh, have a great, Oh, tell everyone again tonight. What time you start? What we got going on tonight? 
6.30 pregame show, 7 o'clock puck drop. Uh, if you can't make it to the game, be sure to tune in because tonight is Roberto Luongo night oh, okay. um, to honor him for being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame this weekend. So we're going to have a ton of stuff on Lou. Fingers crossed, maybe even the potential of, of catching up with him during the game. Um, but either way, it's it's going to be a really fun broadcast with a lot of cool elements to honor Roberto Luongo as well. Great, great job, Jess. We'll be watching tonight from the Zazzle Mansion family room. Thanks so much. <laughs> Love it. All right, thanks, Zaz. Anytime for you. Nice to have Jessica back on the program. She is one of our favorites. And again, you heard her there. You catch the Panthers. And it's funny, at the Panther game the other day, it's intermission, and my son says to me, like, like I told her, my 11-year-old son, Jordan, we've been to three Panther games so far, and he's into the Panthers. And this is how you gain a generation of fans, when you can be good every year. You don't go to the Stanley Cup every year, but if you're good, if you're not wretched, and they've been wretched, but now they're good. And this is how you get fans. This is how you get lifelong fans. And uh, I'm hoping that my son is going to be one of those, just like I am. I mean... Look, I loved hockey anyway, but I was I was 12 years old when the Panthers started. I was 15 when they were in the Stanley Cup Final. It, I'm going to be hooked forever with that experience. I was a hockey fan anyway, but I'm sure there were kids in South Florida were a niche market, and after that season in 96, they're fans forever. So anyway, but during intermission, it's like, hey, so what goes on during intermission on TV? They just play a lot of commercials? <laughs> and and I pointed at where the TV studio where Jessica is during the intermissions. And you could see it's in one of the suites behind the behind the shoot one side. And I said, You see that bright light right there? That's where my friend Jessica is. And she's doing the intermission shows. I go, Oh, okay. And now you know what time it is. Let's do some big deal or not a big deal. Come on. All right. Big deal or not a big deal. Here's what I got first up for you ass. Thursday night football. Titans at Packers. Now, you know how I feel about Thursday night football. This is a big deal because I don't go for the complaining about Thursday night football. If Titans and Packers was on Sunday at 1 o'clock, now, these, these, this game's got some juice to it because the Titans, you know, the Titans are a team that the Dolphin fans are keeping an eye on. The Dolphins right now, second in the AFC at 7-3. and three. Tennessee, they're a division leader. They're technically third in the AFC at 6-3. and three. So we're rooting for the Packers tonight. But you know how I feel. If this game was at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, you wouldn't be watching it. Would you rather not have a game tonight? Or would you rather have a game tonight that you wouldn't be watching anyway, hidden on Sunday afternoon? Give me the game tonight! So, this is a game that at the very least has some meaning for the Dolphin fan. You want the Titans to lose. Titans and Packers tonight, that's a big deal. Also, how about the Cleveland Cavaliers? The Cavaliers have now lost five in a row. Remember, they were 8-1. and one. They were the darlings of the NBA. Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley. So, struggling right now. I still think that's a fun team, a very likable team. But they have lost five in a row. Is that a big deal? Yes, that's a big deal. Anytime you lose, it's early, so whatever. But anytime you lose five games in a row, and especially after getting off to such a hot start, it's a little bit of alarm. Like, all right, everybody take it easy on the Cavaliers. All right, let's... Come on, they had a really hot stretch to start the season. They've lost five in a row now. Everybody take it easy. That's a big deal. The Warriors, they dropped to six and nine last night after losing on the road to Phoenix. They are now 0-8, winless on the road. 
I don't know. Are the Warriors after game saying, oh, we'll figure it out? Green saying, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I don't hear any of that. I think this is a big deal. Yes, it's early in the season, but when you're 0-8 on the road, something's wrong. They're like they're not 3-5 on the road or even 2-6. They're 0-8. That's not exactly a small sample size anymore. Something's wrong if they can't win a road game. I do wonder. Look, Curry had 51 last night. I do wonder. Curry and Thompson aren't going anywhere. Curry's never going anywhere. Draymond Green's a problem. We know that. We saw that. Punches out his teammates. Maybe his teammates are scared that they're going to get punched. Draymond Green's on the last year of a deal where they're definitely not going to keep him. I could see them trading Draymond Green. I could see the Heat being very interesting. Exactly the type of player they they love and the type of player who would really, really help them. Excellent ball movement, but guy, still good defender, can rebound. I don't know how the Heat would get their hands on him, but I think the Heat would be very interested in Draymond Green. That's a big deal. And finally, got one more. You guys know, every Saturday, this weekend will be the third episode. It's still real to me. That's my wrestling show with my host Joey Levin. It is available right here, Zazzle Show 2.0 on the Zazzle Show 2.0 umbrella. If you subscribe to the show, I hope you have a lovely long time. Then on Saturdays, It's Still Real to Me pops up there on your feed. Love it. It's a great show so far. And we'll obviously be talking about this. How about last night? All right. After AEW Dynamite went off the air, MJF has been the biggest heel in the wrestling business for a few years now. And this is after the show goes off the air. How about MJF getting get real, breaking that cape, babe, getting real, and, uh, you know, cutting a little promo on CM Punk. A lot, a lot of bullshit has gone on. A lot of bullshit. We all know. We all know. However, let me make something crystal clear. Me and you, we've been at odds once or twice. I'm not going to stand here and pretend that's not the case. But there's something I take issue with that I've been seeing lately. Everybody make some noise if you're a fan of professional wrestling. Now, you guys think you're wrestling fans. Imagine, imagine for one second if you had the opportunity to bring your love of professional wrestling out to the world and create an alternative. I'm so down on CM Punk. I love MJF doing that. And it's 
It's over with Punk, man. And you heard the crowd there, too. It is over. I love it. I love that he did that. I, lo I lo love that stuff about pro wrestling, man. I like when they get a little bit real sometimes. Again, hey, it's still real to me. Every Saturday. And this weekend, we're going to be doing two episodes. We'll be doing our regular Saturday. How about that for the pro wrestling fan? You're super excited right now. I know it. On Saturday, it's still real to me. We'll recap the week's big stories in pro wrestling. And we're going to do Sunday a reaction to AEW Full Gear, which is this Saturday night. So we're going to give you two shows this weekend. That's how we roll Zaslow Show 2.0. Hey, you want to get in touch with me? My email, it's on my Twitter bio there, JonathanZaslow at gmail.com. Advertising sponsorship. Got a couple more guys coming our way starting real soon. I'm super appreciative. The thing is growing here. If you want to hop on board, hey, the earlier the better, right? The better for you, the better for me. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, like, comment. The algorithm, it needs you to do it, all right? And I love you guys for hanging with me. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Zaslow Show 2.0. You know what that means. Ah, the show is over. What better time now than to go out back with a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. That's right. That's what I look forward to after every show. And now my day's work is done. I got a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul. I'm going to sit outside by the pool here at the Zaslow Mansion and just enjoy the rest of my day. Having a Johnny Cuba makes me feel like I'm right back in the Caribbean. We're talking a refreshing German lager in a can. You can get it anywhere. Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. And right now, you got special holiday prices on six-packs of Johnny Cuba. Make sure you pick up your Johnny Cuba merch as well. We got the hot sauce coming up. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo because more is always brewing. You know, when my wife and I became homeowners, I mean, keeping the Zaslow Mansion safe, that's not an easy task, unless you call Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. If you're looking for affordable care that offers the best coverage for your home, your motorcycle, your car, your boat, Brunt Insurance and Financial Services, their team has the expertise and experience to find the right coverage for you, including comprehensive policies for both trailers and motorhomes, let their team help you learn more about your policy options so you can make an informed decision that's not going to keep you up at night. Bruntinsurance.com. When it comes to home, renters, and condo insurance, your options, hey, it, it, it can be dizzying. Don't worry. They specialize in making the confusing crystal clear with their fully licensed team helping you along every step of the way. Bruntinsurance.com, 954-589-2204.